Hey, yo, what's good, man? It's your host, Cleve. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast with my man. Joe, what it do, Gators? What it do, man? It's your host, Cleve. Birds are chirping. It's another wonderful afternoon in Oakdale, Louisiana. I don't think I hear any dogs barking out there. No. Nope. Uh, uh, how's Krampus? Fuck Krampus. <laughs> have you seen those doggy treats that they sell in the ice cream section? I have. Yeah. yeah I got or like the biscuits. Oh, no. It's like an actual, the... it's like a little cup, right? And it has oh, like frozen ice cream, ice cream, ice cream and like yeah. bacon or whatever. Yeah. I gave him one yesterday afternoon, you know. And uh, this morning, I fed him and he didn't eat. And Charlene was like, I wonder what's wrong with Krampus. He ain't eating his food. I said, I'm pretty sure he's all right. You know what I'm saying? You don't look, you know, like nothing's wrong with him. So I went inside and grabbed the treat, walked out there and, you know, sat down, gave it to him, ate it in the instant. I said, ain't nothing wrong with him. He's just being spoiled. He wants some more of the dog ice cream. You know yeah, what I'm he saying? He got spoiled to that good flavor. He was like, man, this tastes better than that other shit. <laughs> <laughs> He said, why are you feeding me old Roy and give me ice cream the next day? What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, he's spoiled. That's yeah, that's what's up, though. This is kind of weird, though, Cleve. You're far away. I mean, not to be touchy-feely or nothing, but I'm just saying, I, I like the setup. Well, but you don't feel that it's more like, I guess it's less intimate than like, I just need setup. to throw something at you because you're so far away now. But I do like the setup. I did record something. It's going to be like one of those fast, real videos of the whole setup for yeah. the show. Make sure y'all go and check it out on YouTube and it'll be on TikTok uh, probably tomorrow, maybe. But yeah, I think it's like one of those videos, like if you take it in real time and it's like 14 minutes, if you fast forward it, it'll make it like seven minutes or something. It'll look cool to watch. Yeah. Make sure y'all tune in to our TikTok and our YouTube Third Coast Podcast Productions at yahoo.com i mean yahoo <laughs> at youtube.com gmail.com on all major streaming platforms instagram tiktok apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, facebook just anywhere and everywhere we have a special surprise for everybody we're gonna dive right into it because we're gonna have to call in mr david bosnick the Boss. Let's see if we can get him online right quick. Right, right. Hello? Hey, buddy. Hey, what's up, bro? Uh, nothing too much. Let me turn you up a little bit. Can you hear us good? Yeah, I can hear you good. All right, all right. Ah, How you doing this evening, Mr. David Bosnick? Hey, how you doing? You doing all right? Yes, sir. And yourself? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, you know. All right, all right. Yeah, got a big fighter here, ladies and gentlemen. You do uh, bare-knuckle boxing. Joe was telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, that was my last fight, right? Second bare-knuckle fight. It ended up being a draw. It was a good fight. Definitely a tough fight, but I knew the guy was going to be tough. I definitely thought I was going to do better than I thought, but, you know what I mean? You know, some situations happen, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, not everything be perfect. I'm not taking anything away from him, but, uh, you know what I mean? I wish things could have been a little better preparing for him. 
Yeah, but it was still fun. I enjoyed it. I definitely want to do it again with them. That was in New Orleans, right? Yeah. I know me and you had talked about a little bit of what happened during the fight, but would you like to elaborate on like some of the stuff that you endured during that fight and during that bout in New Orleans? So I've said about two or three weeks leading up to the fight, I was in the gym and I was sparring. I got cracked one time in the gym, and uh, which is not a big deal. And like, but I couldn't chew my food or anything because like my jaw was out of place. Oh. Uh, but it happens uh, all the time, so I know I just give it a little bit. But I couldn't spar leading into the fight, which wasn't a big deal because I, I was in good shape anyway for it. I didn't think nothing much of it. But during the fight, I realized that uh, maybe that was something because as soon as he hit me in the very first round, like the first 15 seconds, uh, I realized my jaw was broken. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. It was one of those rabbit punches. It wasn't even a hard punch. It was just, it just hit, and I just felt my jaw just fall apart. I knew immediately it was broken. Did you continue to fight even knowing that you had your jaw broken? Yeah. Wow. Like, like I said, when I went back to the corner, uh, you know, it was five rounds, and I broke oh, yeah, it within hard. the first 10 seconds. Yeah, and I, I, when I went back to the corner, I didn't tell nobody in my corner that uh, it was broken because I knew I was going to finish that fight no matter what. The heart of a warrior. I like hearing <laughs> like that, man. I, I definitely understand that you can't go out like that, not in the first round at least, but you know your yeah. limitations. And I get with the sparring too, that, that affects like your stamina, agility, you know, different things you, I guess you feel you could have avoided when uh, stepping yeah. to the ring like that. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your opponent that you faced? He was a tough kid from uh, California. I knew he was more of a bruiser. Okay. And you know, like I was prepared to, you know, I mean, take a lick and give a lick. I just, as I was preparing for the fight, you know, I mean, I, I'm always preparing for the worst, you know, in the fight. Right. This was a new experience for me that I've never experienced before. You know what I mean? You can say what you're going to do all the time uh, until it actually happens. You know, you don't know. And yeah. I, like I said, I've never experienced a broken jaw before, but you know what I mean? I handled it well. You know what I mean? I didn't let it. Yeah, you say he went five rounds, so yeah, that's yeah. definitely more I, I could have went myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel, though, that even though that you sustained that injury in the first round, that it changed your game plan in your bare-knuckle fighting? Like, you had to definitely adjust drastically so you didn't get hurt even worse, but still fight the fight and try to win? Yeah, I was uh, battling myself trying to figure out what I should do. Because like I said, this is a new experience for me. Right. Because one part of me was telling me I need to move. I need to use footwork. I mean, your jaw's broken. You know what I mean? Like, don't go fight him. But you know what I mean? That's kind of who I am. So I'm battling, like, should I play it safe and keep my jaw intact? You know what I mean? Because it is broken right now. I don't I don't want to make it any worse. But you know what I mean? My uh, competitive side of me is like, I, I can still take this dude. You know what I mean? I, I, right. I know I can get him. Yeah, there was a... It, uh, I have a hard time watching that fight. I, I watched it a few times to kind of understand a little bit what uh, my mistakes, but mm -hmm. it's hard for me to watch that fight. Nah, but it's a part of those trials that we go through. You know, you know, we learn failure should be an example set for us either to either build and succeed, or you can get knocked down and stay down. And hearing just a little bit, I've heard from you, you're not a person to stay down. Well, so. Yeah, <laughs> it's not necessarily failure though. It's, it well, was a failure, draw. It was a draw fight. Right. The final thing was a draw. 
And see, uh, I have to keep reminding myself that it's a draw. It's just uh, I know my performance was so below what I know I can do that it feels like a loss to me. So uh, right, I forget when, I mean. when I'm talking to people, it stings because I know that wasn't me. Like, I'm proud of myself. Not a lot of people during the fight knew. Or, well, no one knew that my jaw was broken, so they was not they wasn't able to appreciate the dog in me that I was, like I said, I didn't tell no one. Right. I was a little bit skeptical of just telling anybody, you know, because my opponents will find out and this and that. And they'll I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's on my jaw anyway. Whether it's broken or not broken, they're going to aim punch me in the face in the future. And then I'm saying, like, I have so many injuries and surgeries and surgeries that needs to be done. I just won't do it. So pretty much if someone hits me anywhere, I mean, either I had a surgery there or I need to have a surgery there. So it's not much of a game plan. Like, yeah, just hit that dude anywhere. He's hurting. Is that something that comes with mixed martial arts and UFC, and especially with bare knuckle fighting? Because that is intense in itself. Because you hit right. someone the right way, you split their whole face open. Yeah. And then with the bare knuckle, you have to be really careful with bare knuckle because even if you don't take a lick, you can still bust your hands up. Yeah, you can and cut your knuckles. Down, break your hand. Yeah, cut your knuckles. I open. think that's something that was the biggest thing I learned from the first fight. To this fight was because they only let you wrap half your hands uh you know your knuckles is exposed so and i didn't think yeah i didn't think there was really a technique to it you know like you're, you're going out there to punch in the face just throw something on there and it doesn't really matter uh well it does matter luckily my coach and i uh we learned how to wrap hands a lot better for bare knuckle to where i can i can really throw some hands and not have to worry about pulling my punches because i'm worried about breaking my hands or anything right is it more support around the wrist in the palms whenever you bite bare knuckle? Yeah, and it has to be. You okay. know what I mean? You know, with the MMA gloves, I don't really care for my hands being wrapped too tight. Right, I know the MMA, knuckle, you wrap you know, between you the to, fingers. Yeah, you can get leverage in your wraps in different areas, but with bare knuckle, through trial and error, you figured out a good way to get your hands wrapped to where they feel strong and secure to where you're not hesitant. Right pulling your punches or anything like that. Yeah, you want to feel more fluidity with the fighting style that you're accustomed to. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that bare knuckle. I like that. <laughs> so now in BKFs, bare knuckle... Yeah, yeah, that's right, BKFD. Yeah, okay, so you have a win against... is Thibodeau, right? Yeah. And then you have a draw. So Yeah. And that's your standing record in bare knuckle fighting? Correct. So oh, that's one, not one bad. Zero. Yeah, that's not <laughs> I mean, bad at all. You still win it. I get that draw where you feel like, you know, you could have done better. But again, that's just one of those. It's yeah. a learning curve. With yeah, but that. five rounds, though, yeah, with, a broken jaw, with a broken jaw. Broken jaw, man. That's some heart you, there. There's nothing you should ever weigh down on that fight because you put your heart and soul into that fight. I'm proud to see what you've done. And that takes a lot of heart because most people would have quit. And you I know, and you went and fought four more, the whole five rounds with a broken jaw and was throwing punches, taking licks, and you Turned didn't quit. It. Yeah, you didn't That's quit. That's something yeah. to be something super proud about, bro, all the way. I just wish that uh, the average fan that was watching could appreciate my heart more. You know what I mean? Because right. in most of my fights, uh, I show a lot of heart. You know what I mean? I, I dig down and the dog comes out and people would love seeing that in fights. Yeah, I know for me, my personal I know experience, I like to. <laughs> feel is, is a beautiful thing to watch. 
but I like seeing uh, a lot of heart too. I like two people going out there and they just go into town on each other and no one's backing down. That's the stuff that gets me going. Right. Could you uh, give us a little insight on your upcoming fight to defend your title? Yeah, that one's going to be in August. Oh, yeah, I still need months. to get more details. They're always working on finding me someone. I started uh, dieting about, I think, five days ago. It's starting to get ready for that cut down to 45. You know, that, that cut, it takes a lot of discipline and focus to get down there. That's why I'm starting now. About 120 days until August. So, yeah, best to start now. No better time yeah. to start than the present. We touched on that last time we spoke about weight cutting and stuff, but that's crazy to drop that much weight. It's still hard for me to wrap my brain around people dropping that much weight that fast, you know, as being a bigger guy. Yeah, we have uh, a lot of amateurs in my gym. I'm learning more about weight cutting kind of through them by helping them out. I know I've gotten really good at it for myself, but trying to apply my knowledge to them and see what helps them. It all helps me, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm very disciplined, so I feel like I'm a little bit more disciplined than most people. That's why these weight cuts are easier. I mean, of course it's hard. Don't get me wrong. Anytime uh, you get hungry and can't eat, you know, that, that's hard to deal with. Right. I feel like I have it down to a very fine science to where, I mean, I can cut a lot of weight in somewhat the healthiest way that I can and being able to perform because, you know, my fights are title fights. These are five rounds. Right. So it's not even like, uh, you know what I mean? So if you mess up a little bit, your cardio is going to suffer. And I feel like that's one of the things I'm known for is being able to uh, take punch, keep going and fight. And you know what I mean? And I fight harder in the later rounds. With the dieting, I'm, not the, I'm sorry yeah. not to cut you off, but with the dieting and the training, uh, what class fight are you? Are you like featherweight or middleweight? I will fight anything. The money's right. I'll fight in any weight class. <laughs> Shit, yeah. I fought as right, low right. as uh, 135 at one time, and then I fought as high as 170. You know what I mean? Okay, all right. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know if bare knuckles applied, like, you know, different weights. Like, they will usually match the person's weight, you know, take into, like, the reach and stuff. I don't know if it's the same, but, I'm, you know, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, boxing, I believe. And bare knuckle, I think my weight class is the lightweight, the one I compete over at 155, but okay. my the belt that I'm defending is at 145, so I just bounce around. Okay, all right. You defend the featherweight belt, right, for the AKA organization? Yeah, that's okay. going to be my next fight, would be defending that. Could you shout out your gym up in Alexandria for all the listeners out there? Yeah, Global Fitness Center uh, off Gus Kaplan. It's, uh, I'm surprised how many that don't know about it yet. Hey, it's they all know gym. soon enough. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed when we got to go in there, and I was shocked, too, because big shout-out to Crit for coming through and helping with that interview last year. Y'all's gym up there is nice, and that's the first time I've ever been in, like, a full-fledged MMA gym, and I was just in shock and awe. Like, they got a whole fucking ring in this motherfucker. Yeah, the yeah. ring, the cage, cardio equipment, jiu-jitsu in the back, and, you know, they're always running classes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, proud of, of my gym, you know what I mean? Because I, I was there the day before they opened. I was there, you know what I mean? Already talking to them and everything, you know what I mean? Because I was worried because there was no opportunity around that time. Right. I really thought I was going to have to move state to pursue this fight career, you know what I mean? And I was preparing myself to leave. And I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave my family, my friends, everything I know is here. Right. But I'm willing to pursue something, you know what I mean? It makes me happy. I want to do it. I was willing to make those sacrifices. Luckily, 
the gym opened up and then Alan Gray, you know what I mean, a whole bunch of other people, but it's just a great team put together. And I'm not the only fighter out of there that's doing big things, you know what I mean? So often we have a good formula. We're putting it on. Anybody that comes to our gym, we can make them into some killers. Yeah, make them career. Yeah, career yeah. ready, damn near. We know firsthand on the struggles being from central Louisiana, trying to make something of yourself. And as long as you grind it out, like you said, as long as you're passionate about it, it don't matter what no one tells you. You can make anything a dream and make it a dream you can yeah. live in. Right. Yeah. We yeah. talk a lot about like, you know, the opportunities that are in, you know, in our state, Louisiana, and it's just not enough of that. But the few people that still stay in, you know, like in your line, you're, you're a fighter. We do podcasts, you know, there's musicians, you know, and just anything that you take, you give it your all. And, you know, yeah. it, it goes into what you were saying about, you know, whenever you put your heart into a fight, you know, I respect the person more who will take a loss, giving it they all, putting their heart in, or even a draw, than yeah. for it to be, like, short on some bulls, like on some bull or something like that. <laughs> you know what's crazy is, because uh, I, I love my gym so much. I mean, the support they have given me through the ups, downs, in the ring, outside the ring. But, because you know, there's always someone out there, because you're trying to, you know, better yourself. There's always people out there. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to talk mess about you because you're trying to be, you know, you're trying to better yourself. You're trying to better yourself. We just, yeah. we had like a pre-session <laughs> about that. Uh, for, that's what took us so long to give you the call-ins because like, you know, everybody has their own comings and goings in life, but we, me and Clee were yeah. touching exactly on that. Like, especially uh, when you're doing good, good. people want to break you down because they see you're doing they good. You, yeah, they see you happy. They see you doing well for yourself. Like, you're, you're successful and, like, making things happen your yeah. way. Uh, yeah. We feel <laughs> that. We feel that 100%, that. bro. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine, you know what I mean? belittling someone because they're trying to better themselves. It, it just blows my mind that there's so many people out there like that. I mean, that that's why I, I, I speak to my gym people. You know what I mean? They, they're going through the same grind as I do. They they understand all my sacrifice and everything. So I just tune everybody else out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's what the gym is for, man. Tune it out and get it done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Crazy. So let the listeners know, too, about uh, your social medias, where they can follow you and uh, keep up to date with your training and what you have going on and future fights and everything. Yeah. So I have my fight page, David the Boss Bosnick. That's where I try to put all my, my fight stuff, any information, any ticket sales, upcoming fights. This interview right here, all fight-related stuff, I try to put on, on my fight page. You know what I mean? That's my favorite way to kind of promote myself, I guess you can say. Right. Yeah. I try my best to be a little bit more active with the social media, but it, it you know, uh, somebody like me, that, that's that's hard. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? Trust me, we're, I, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even have any social media, I, but I just I recently had to uh, podcast. Uh, start doing like fucking Instagram recently, and I'm like, so you can't just type stuff on here. You have to have pictures and stuff like you have and to have TikTok. Uh, yeah. pictures and video. I don't shout out Charlene. Charlene does the TikToks for us and keeps that going. But thank goodness. Yeah. But yeah, the social medias is it, it can be very overwhelming, especially if, you know, you try to do it and you have to post every day and post certain stuff. And then you don't want to see overbearing or then you don't want to post not enough. It's just a lot. Oh, I know. Yeah, because all that stuff would be taken the wrong way, too. Like, yeah, 
Right. You know what I mean? Uh, if, if you post too or certain things like, oh, look, look at this arrogant prick or something like that. I'm like, look, look, my dude, I'm just trying to, yep. I, I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm doing on here. I'm just doing the best I can with the, what I got. You know right. what I mean? I always have a hard time when it comes to uh, ticket sales. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm trying to push tickets too, but I'm also cutting weight and I'm training and I'm, I'm under a lot of stress. And but I'm trying to be friendly to everyone, but it's hard. Yeah, it you know what I mean? Trying to do all that at once, and I'm like, oh man, I better get this together because I know the people in the UFC. I know they do it for like a week long. All the media and all the stuff, like, oh man. But you know, what I mean, they're getting paid the big bucks to do that. So yeah, it'll come all natural in time. I feel like as long as you're being yourself, you focus on the main points of view. Everything else will kind of like express itself. Yeah, you know, a lot of um, actions speak louder than words. So, I mean, even if you just post a little bit or like how you say, like if you, you don't want to seem too overbearing or arrogant to post too much, yeah. I just feel like there is a healthy balance. And then, you know, with the people at your gym that's, you know, helping you in and outside of the gym, it kind of goes into a lot of, you know, I feel like the gym is like a brotherhood for people to come together and it gets a lot of, it has a lot of opportunity there to, keep people safe, keep people oriented and organized, I guess, like a, a format of, you know, the way that they live, you know, and do things in the gym. Tack on what Cleve was saying, I have a question to ask you. Do you feel as like, as a man, like the gym is a good release for you because like you get to go lift heavy stuff, but you also get to, you know, lift heavy stuff with other dudes and you get to do different things, but it's like a, you know, like as men, like grown men, we don't have a lot of releases. It's like go to work, do this, do that, take care of everything. But to actually have like a good place you can go and, you know, relieve some stress and maybe spar with someone, lift some weights and stuff. It's a it's a good mental release for males. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100 percent. Like I said, I have uh, I know we talked about this the last time. Everything's so much simpler when I have the gym in my life. It, it gives me something to focus on. And like I said, the main reason I fight is, is, is not for money. It's not for fame. It's not for just to say I'm the baddest dude or anything like that. It's literally the reason I fight is because it, it, it gives me uh, that mental clarity, I guess. It keeps me grounded. It gives me, I don't want to say necessary something to wake up for or anything like that. But it, it, nothing has helped me with my depression. It gives you a like, balance uh, in your life to, to yeah. kind of set things forward, to give yourself a purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and and like I said, I have a lot of memories that haunt me. But uh, when I have uh, my routine, you know what I mean? Like I said, uh, I still wake up at 4.30 every day. You know, I'm going to work out, I mean, twice a day, every day. And that's what makes me happy. That's what I do. It keeps me focused. When you text me this morning, it was like, because I get up because I'm on a routine for work. So usually about six o'clock, my body just automatically wakes up, you know? Like at six thirty, you text me. I was like, "Well, he's an early bird too." <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, drinking was a cup of coffee, <laughs> and you text me. Yeah, and I was waiting because like four thirty, four thirty. I'm 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 pumped uh, at four thirty. I, I go straight out the door to the gym working. I'm I, like, that's that's the best time to talk to me is at four thirty in the morning. That's the best me. Usually when PM starts to roll around, I, I get tired, start stuff starts stiffening up. I feel like an old man by the afternoon. But yeah, four thirty. That's the best time. Yeah, that's prime hours right there, son. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's on the roads. Uh, I don't have to. I don't have to talk to nobody. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just me, myself, and, and my thoughts, and I get to focus. 
you know, because, you know, once the day starts, you can't, some, some things is just out of yeah, your control. Yeah. Sometimes stuff happens and, and you know what I mean? But uh, I woke up at 4.30 prepared for something bad to happen today. I got a good workout in. I can handle whatever comes at me today. Fuck yeah, I feel that. Yeah, today's my first day back. I did my, my sprint routine today, you know what I mean? I'm, uh, I always do my red light therapy in the morning, my sauna in the afternoon. Uh, but today was the first day I did sprints since my jaw surgery. And uh, so I'm trying to slowly build that cardio up so I can not get left behind in the gym, you know what yeah, I mean? right. Yeah, I just got done with that. We ain't going to hold you up too late, you know, while you can get your rest, while you can wake up early <laughs> and, defend, and defend your title coming up soon. Appreciate like I said last year, appreciate you joining the show last year. And thank you so much for calling in, bro. And it's been a pleasure. And it's an honor to call you one of my friends and someone I know. And it's a pleasure and an honor to formally meet, you know, the boss himself, you know, because I've heard great things about you. I've heard about your fights in the past. I actually watched one of them on YouTube, man. You was tearing it down. <laughs> but, uh, I got with Joe and I told him, I was like, man, that dude badass. I was like, man, are we getting him on the interview? It's like, yeah, man, we calling him next week. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully next time I, I can come out there with y'all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess that would work with your availability, honestly, because uh, we we do this what every Saturday. Well, yeah. we do it on the weekends. It's on the weekends, yeah, but mainly weekends, on Saturday like night. On Saturday nights, and sometimes Sundays when so. other people are going to parties and stuff. We're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. You can't get in no trouble doing that. Yep. Thanks. But give a shout out to all your handles, David. Your socials and. While all the listeners in the gym, you train at again, please. Yeah, um, so you know, Global Fitness Center. That's my main gym. Uh, that's where all my family and friends, everybody's at. Global Fitness Center. And even if you don't want to be a, a fighter, you know, just getting in shape. There's plenty of kids classes there. You know what I mean? That's, that's a great spot to be at. And then, uh, if you know me, I would much appreciate that if you follow me on, on my fight page, David uh, the Boss Bosnick. You know, you know, love the support. You know what I mean, people don't know how much that means to me, you know, especially, uh, you know what I mean, I'm just a, a old country boy, you know what I mean, a, a lot of this stuff is, you know what I mean, it's a little bit overwhelming, but uh, at times I definitely do appreciate it, even though I don't get to thank everyone individually, uh, just know it, it does mean a lot to me. Yeah, you definitely seem pretty humble, for sure, you know, it's like, to say like what your drive is behind fighting and you know it's not all about the money or anything like that you know i like to hear like that because i feel like that's what the best fighters yeah. are equipped with you know if it's not about the wrong things i would say it like that yeah i, I gotta be humble my mom can still uh put hands on me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we love you bro we look forward to seeing your next title defense and i guess we'll talk to you later bro Thank y'all so much. Uh, we're going to tackle the rest of episode 190. We have your poster from AKA 22 on the table, and it will be on the YouTube. Even though we don't have you in person, we do have a picture of you on the table for the YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to send that last fair knuckle uh, poster that I was telling you about. I'm going to send it to you. And hopefully after this AKA title defense, I can get good size one. All right. Hey, that sounds good. It'd be uh, something nice to put in the recording area. And hopefully one day we have a yeah. big building and we put it on plaques on the wall and we can all walk down it. And through yeah, the... just be able there to have the presence and the essence of all the things that we've come into the past years and That's the right. current years. 
in the future years to come because I don't think it's going to stop just at this episode. So, nah. <laughs> oh no, that's right. Thank you for your time. You know, it was an honor again, you know, and thank you for calling us too because we urge people to call us on the show and we don't mind interviews. We don't mind just hanging out either. So, you know, hopefully we get to meet you one day in person. Well, I hope to meet you one day. He, Joe's probably already met you. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. I really do. All right, bro. Well, we'll talk to you later, and thank you so much. The boss! <laughs> Love you, bro. Man, take care. Love y'all, too. Y'all be safe. Oh, yeah, you, too. Good luck on that fight. All right. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, David the Boss Bosnick. Yeah, we we live and recording now. Time to get in some real sensual stuff called YouTube. <laughs> we unpause this, get back into it. Now the wind wants to blow and rattle the fucking uh the tin on the roof. Yeah, rattle the tin and my phone, which is smashed the bits, which won't be on the camera. <laughs> Hang on, let me just put that right there. We're going to put that on silent. Big shout out again to the boss, David Bosnick, for joining us on this episode. And Cleve, do you know that they sell bear meat in Japan in vending machines? Bear meat. Bear meat. In vending machines. In vending machines. In Japan, no idea. In Japan. I'm not surprised in Japan because they sell everything in vending machines. Yeah. Yeah, you can buy brews and yeah, everything. You can buy beer, you can buy condoms, you can buy like used panties. Uh, used even, panties? Even fresh panties, yeah. yeah. Damn. Like, you can buy all like that in... Customer service to the T out in Japan. In Japan, man, that's why they, they real happy and they live longer out there. You know, I think their life expectancy is like 82. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, minimum. So how much do you think that bear meat goes for in Japan? I don't know the conversion from yen to U.S. dollar, but... Just, just think I U.S. Think, dollars. I would think bear meat would go about the same price as beef jerky. You know, about like 10, 15 bucks maybe. A pound? Oh, a pound? A oh, pound. wait, no. We'll, we'll say pounds. Well, like, if we say pounds, then like, you know, like say one pound of bear meat, I would think would go for 20, 30 bucks. For a pound of ground bear meat in Japan. It's great. Oh, look, here we go. As soon as we start the video, someone's got to drive by with some pipes. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Hickville, USA. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Oakdale. Damn it, Oakdale. I got to figure out a way to get the sound pad to the fucking YouTube, too. Got to figure that out. Yeah, um, that's crazy, though. I have some uh, big announcement that I haven't told you yet that I was waiting to tell you until now. We might not be eating bear meat at Third Coast Podcast, but we will be interviewing Bear Gritty from Uh, Bear and the Forest Friends on May the 13th. He will be coming to us to be, hopefully, our first YouTube interview, and that's going to be really cool. Right, right. And they have a show at Huckleberry Brewery that night. So he's going to come. Alexandria? Yes. And okay. he's going to try to come through that afternoon. And it's the 13th. Yeah, it's going to be cool. They've been doing a lot of shows, and their whole performance is real cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck, big-ass fucking bearded 
Yeah, you got bear, bearded bears guitar yeah. and shit. Yeah, you got like, bearded bears playing guitar out there. Right. So uh, we might not be buying some Japan bear meat, but we'd be interviewing Mr. Bear Gritty coming soon. And we have a lot of stuff going on, and we have a lot of stuff that's different from our YouTube, that's different from our audio that y'all can find on the platforms. And everything's always going to be a little bit different. You might see, like last week we did on the YouTube, it was me, you, and Kobai set up, right? Right. And it was just us. And then we talked about whatever and blah, 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 blah. But after we finished that and we took our pause, Loomis hit us up, you know, and he came through and he sat down on the mic. So on the YouTube, you're going to get just me, Cleveland, Kobai for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. But if you listen to on the platforms, you get an hour and 57 minutes plus the artist of the week too you know what i'm saying right yeah and with loomis being on the mic and we recorded an hour and 27 minutes with lou and then you remember the p4 died and the charger the because the charger died and we had to go get the batteries batteries for it and uh when i was piecing together that episode i was like this is gonna be a lot because it's three segments and i thought maybe some of it deleted or fucked up because the way it died but the p4 for anybody that's into podcasting or recording any type of audio that's on a four channel mic. And if you need hints to, you know, excel that to like six or eight channels, just off one P4, just let me know. I know how to split stuff and I can help you out. We have such a dynamic range that's going on because our audio, like me and Cleve were talking about before our audio is three years deep. You know, we just recently added Zane. Ooh, big shout out. Yeah, big shout out to Zane having to do all the hard efforts to you know, yeah. <laughs> the tedious work of piecing the those words together right when yeah, you know, we make common mistakes, you know, human error. We've had like a lot of elements to just our audio and to branch out to do YouTube now is a big thing for us. So if y'all have any suggestions or want to be a part of the YouTube or want to help us make the YouTube better because this is not just a platform for us. If you have something going on, you have a business, you have, you're just like David, you're a MMA fighter or you are just like Mitch, you're a director or you're like Charlie Murray in the Iceman, you know, Man, you know what I'm saying? Special. You got Zach Edwards and Zach Edwards in the medicine, you know what I'm saying? You got Quartz with Alric. We created this platform, but this platform can grow when people put into it too. And everybody's put into it a lot recently and always has. And it's something we can grow from and something everybody can grow from and everybody can be proud of it too. Because in layman's terms, we're Oakdale news in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Or just yeah, the Oakdale uh, informative, you know, yeah. but not in the, not in a negative sense, but we just try to get as much information out there as possible and bring as many, not so much as bringing them on board, but to get them exposure as well. Maybe something that they can talk about that we don't have knowledge of. So, you know, it's, it's news to all of us. David had brought up about living in central Louisiana and I don't think we ever really talk about it enough about how hard it is to actually do anything around here. And a lot of people see this podcast, like it's something that everybody can do or, you know, being a musician is something everybody can do. Shit, just making a living. It's something that anybody South, can do. And, yeah. and central Louisiana is a tough task. And in law, it's a real thing. Like, you look at it on that economic 
standpoint and the world has its, you know, trials and tribulations. But you look at just how happenstance and the comings and goings of Oakdale, Sin Law, Central Louisiana, right? Right. And you look at what maintains and what stays and what goes. Unless you are in law enforcement, a lawyer, doctor, doctor, a medical field, medical field, or you work in plants, you can't do shit around here. You can't. You can't. You can't open a food business. You can't open like, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you can open mediocre bars where you just basically sell. If you open something, it should be at the minimum of it. You know, like. Most places you go have like four or five pool tables now. You better off just having one pool table, you know, a bar with a lounge type of business, you know, something rather than extravagant because there isn't really a market or enough people that can support it because, you know, they're too busy, you know, slaving away 12 to 16 hours of their day working to try to make a living. In the plants. Yeah, in the plants, law enforcement. Or then if you're on the other side, you were a victim, uh, not not say victim, but you you're a part of the law enforcement attacking you. You know, yeah, what I'm you saying? fall under the happenstance of the criminal engineering. If there's fortifying, if one of the biggest industries in your state is law enforcement, and the biggest thing where people make money is law enforcement, you have to actually retro think. Okay. So yeah, you have to lock that ass up to get a check. So I have to lock up someone else to get a check. You know what I'm saying? And that's where a lot of people fail when it comes to like law enforcement, law and policies is like these cops, these lawyers, these correctional officers, they're not bad people, but they have to have a job. And what's their job is either to lock someone up, put someone in prison or keep someone in prison. Right. I would say some are not bad people, but they're influenced by the other half of those people. It's not who they are as people. It's the system is what I'm talking about. Right, right. The system works where you have to, if everybody was good, the federal correctional officers couldn't have jobs. If everybody was good, the lawyers wouldn't have Corvettes. If everybody was good or the laws were applicable and fair and non-biased and non-sexual and non-race, divided laws it would be fair and it'd be less jobs in the police force less jobs in the correctional facility because there's less people you know what i'm saying but they don't you go back to everything that it's an economy that relies on people doing bad yes exactly so you know you got or economy that's generating income through criminal activity so most of the time they try to link it to drugs yeah, but it's a quick drug use. Yep. But when you facilitate that need for that income, you have to create something. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect so if you sense. Have, That's how you get a corrupt economy. You need to fill a prison, right? How do you fill a prison? Make laws to put people in the prison. Right. That's one way to do it. So you filter that down is like, okay, I got all these people that need this job at this prison, right? Okay, let me lax on these laws. Let me do this, that, and the other. And it creates more criminal activity, which creates more. All I'm trying to say is like states sign deeds with private prison corporations to keep maximum capacity at a certain limit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they have to release so many a year, they have to lock up so many a year. The biggest one that I ever found was Arizona. It was in 2020, and they had a private prison organization had a contract through the state of Arizona to keep their prisons at 
100% capacity, meaning that they had to keep that bitch damn near full of inmates, wrongdoers in prison. Quote, unquote. On paper. Like, I don't care how the fuck you get these people in prison. You keep our prisons full. And how do you do that? You trickle it down the laws. You trickle it down to this and you trickle it down to that. And it keeps the prisons full. They rather keep people in prison. They rather keep people in parvish. I worked that shit, dude. I nah, know it, dude. Nah, I know you know the you know both sides. Oh, well, not man. both sides. Like I know from one side of it from the criminal aspect, but I don't know the other half of I, I it from the working some, perspective. I do know some of it just because where I've been and what I've seen, and I've seen innocent people, and I've seen guilty people, and I've seen horrible people. I'm talking about like people that deserve to be in that shit. You know what I'm saying? But it's just the general aspect where you think that you're supposed to be protecting, keeping these evil people away, but they're actually in it for profit. They don't care about keeping these people off the streets, you know? Right. They don't care about that. They care about the money that is made through keeping these evil people and making sure these evil people still exist. You know what I'm saying? Does, and that's one thing that's always fathomed me that no one ever takes into aspect is like, why don't no one ever sit back and think that you sure that this shit is just happening for a reason or is this being created for the sensible purpose to have it? I you know what I'm saying? It's being created because you have more use from a body when it's living than whenever it's not living. So it's like you just can't rid all bad people, but you can put them in a place where it's systematic, it's organized. Almost to the point where, you know, most of those people become institutionalized. So when they are released, they have no functions on socializing in a society that's evolved outside of this system that's been taught to them. And they've been kept in for 10, 15, 25 years, 40 years. And you expect them to just go back out into the world and be able to, like, learn about cryptocurrency or learn about like what new age electronics are out with social media and how to be an influence to the public. And all of that kind of goes into like, what image does the prison system paint for a person when they're trying to live in a society that is surrounded with social media and the things that it portrays, you know, cause nowadays like, we see kids doing shit that we wouldn't have even done when we were kids. Like, you know, like overdose. Well, I mean, we've had people like oh, pop yeah. pills and shit whenever we was younger, but you never hear of anybody like overdosing or like shooting each other up until, you know, after I would say 2017. Especially in our home state, gun violence, is, well, across the United States, gun violence has definitely been uh, a terror, but... Yeah, mostly like in Baton Rouge and New Orleans, gun violence is always in Alexandria. The gun violence has been rising. For Third Coast Podcast, we like to take our stint and say that we are avid gun owners, but we do not condone gun violence and we condone fisticuffs. Hell yeah! Go out there, take that left, you take that right, you win some, or you, you lose, lose some. some. At the end of the day, you're still there. You know what I'm saying? Right. People don't do it like that no more, man. It's like people rather grab the gun and finish the job quick. And not only that, they'll wait until your back is turned. Yep, they do some whole shit Like They'll wait until your back is turned and just let off five. Like, 
and it won't even hit. Oh no, man! It it just yeah. But we've bear witness to a lot of you know not digging deep into our personal stuff that's going on with our lives here in Oakdale or in Central Louisiana, but we've dealt with a lot of gun violence and a lot of pussy ass gun violence. Excuse my French, and I'm sorry for all the I listeners. I wouldn't even not just gun just violence, like, domestic violence in general. If it's a knife, if it's a gun, yeah. If it's oh you yeah, know, men and women it. fighting. If it's, you know, men and men, women and women, it's always been, you know, a lot of fistfights have happened, but, you know, being a gun the killings. owner, first rule to, you know, gun safety is safety first. You know, it's like never pull the gun until you need to, only when you use it. That's what I was taught. It's like, man, never draw a gun unless you plan to use that shit. Do the I, same I, in the Army, right? It was always weird for the Army, too. It's like, because I got raised up on 410s and 12 gauges. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn how to shoot rifles. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to just pulling up, praying and spraying and stuff. But something that instructor had told me one time, and I muscle flashed somebody on accident or something. Like I raised my gun, you know what I'm saying? I might have like pointed at a leg or a foot or something. I really don't remember the full details of it, but he uh, grabbed me by my body armor and pulled me like in the chest. And he looked me in the eyes and said, you never point that barrel at nothing you don't intend to kill, soldier. And I was like, yes, yeah, that's, sir. That's true. And when I'm teaching my kids gun safety, you know what I'm saying? And I tell them that you keep that muzzle in the ground. Yeah, keep it to the ground until you're ready to... But you talk with your kids when you're teaching them this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not you teach grabbing them, them by the collar. It's like the samurai sword. I envision like when Japanese samurais were teaching their kids how to wield this weapon. Because a samurai sword can split you smooth in half. You know what I'm saying? The weapon... Yeah, the, the weapon is like... The death has never changed. The it's death reinforced will come. five times, I think. Like yeah. the way the the steel is folded, like Japanese samurai sword. Like even till this day, like there's swords that still withstand the test of time. The samurai sword is probably one of the most outlasting weapons of the century that was ever designed. You know next the, to firearms, you know what the deadliest weapon ever created in human history was? Take a wild guess. Out of everything, nuclear bomb, everything, what has killed more human lives on Earth than anything else? Man, I would honestly say a form of knife. The bow. The bow? The bow. Well, well yeah, the crossbow. The crossbow yeah, has sense. killed more people than any sense. other thing throughout human history. Makes sense. Especially during the time that you're running down fucking oh with you know maces and swords and full body the armor. Revolutionary War. No, no, the Way crossbow before. dates back to the no, 1800s. I, I mean, not the crossbow. The bow dates back to the 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. I would feel it dates further back. We have to do some research on that, but yeah, because I know I mean, for the design a fact of the, a bow the bow, made the from bow is the most deadliest like creation the, of all time. How the natives used it in their hunting efforts for animals, and then in turn later for people whenever settlers coming. You know, that's easily 14th century. I know how to fix that for 191. We we'll just talk about the invention of bows and crossbows. You might want to write that down because I'll be asking. Oh no, hey, it's, man, lo- it's okay, locked. It's locked in. Okay, yeah, it's all right. locked. yeah, the crossbow definitely. It's one of the more unique weapons. It's oh, silent. Yeah. It takes uh, precision. Powerful. It's powerful. It, you know, depending on the type of string that you use, it has range or velocity, you know, bolt velocity. Yep. Because it's not actually an arrow. It's a boat that a crossbow shoots. Yep. 
Big shout out to episode 189, Raw and Uncut, featuring Loomis Gitchery. That was a great episode, and if y'all ain't listened to it yet, and you're listening to this episode, make sure you backtrack and check that out. And if y'all ain't checked it out yet, check out Third Coast Podcast on all major streaming platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, you can see us on iHeartRadio. And if you feel a little, you know, giggity, giggity, you can check this out on uh, the TCP Horde. And See some memes. See some of those spicy memes that the... You like that voice? I was trying something else out. Yeah, I seen it, man. Like, I liked <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. It's real sensual for the audience. I hope y'all enjoyed it. So, uh, I've been meaning to bring this up, Cleve, for a while. And we got these nice little folders now. Have you ever... I know it was Battle for the Antarctic, right? That right, we had yeah, touched we on. We had talked right? about uh, Operation High Jump on that episode. I had found some weird stuff that I wanted to bring up. Again, uh, proof of a parallel universe. Nazi coin from 2039 in Mexico sparks bizarre theories. For a long time, alternative universes have been used as a plot, a novel, or a simple story for a movie. But there are many who wonder what their life would be in a parallel universe. And I'm going to stop that reading for a second because I hope that if there is a parallel universe, the parallel Joe has it a lot easier. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> this, the, like this, the I hope I'm the bad universe. Going, yeah, um, the struggles that we go through in this universe, I'm hoping that, like, the parallel me is, like, everything I envision, you know, successful. You know, he's got the wife. He's got the happy home. You know, not even just like that, but, you know, just the basic necessities that are needed, you know. So uh, <laughs> less stress or if. Oh, yeah. Or if there's you see, that's why I like the notes. So you can we can keep each mainly to keep me on track. Uh, <laughs> or if there's any alternate version of themselves in another dimension for what scientists have also spent time investigating the potential of alternative realities for decades. Over the years, scientists have exposed multiple theories, some which have real evidence to back them up. So if any of these theories is correct, there is a universe somewhere different from Mars. One of the most popular theories of the alternate universe is the string theory. According to this theory, we live in a multiverse of nine dimensions with only three dimensions visible to us. Since we only exist in three dimensions, our universe would look flat like a sheet of paper. On the other hand, the way in which the other dimension would expand would be along with the timelines and possible situations. That said, alternate versions of our world could be almost identical or totally different. However, it is only theories, though. But what would happen if someone discovers evidence of an existing of a parallel universe? A video posted to YouTube in April of 2018 shows a man who claims to have discovered a Nazi coin apparently from the year 2039. The Nazi coin from the year 2039. Apparently, the mysterious coin was found by Diego in a work area in Mexico, explaining that it caught his attention when he reads the inscriptions that he saw the year 2039 when he found it. Just above the imprint, the year is, I might mess this uh, up. Reichsadler. 
right settler Nazi party symbol, along with the words. You want to tackle that one, Cleve? Nueva Alemania. Which translates to New Germany. The flip side of the coin features writing allies in inner nations, which means all in one nation, a motto that would perfectly serve a country that has been dominated the world. In Mexico, there is a state called Nueva Alemania. Damn. I like how you say that, Cleve. It's so <laughs> sensual. It's smooth. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Spanish uh, or the Latin dialect. Located in the municipality of La Concordia in the state of Chiapas, but it is known that there is no record of the arrival of any Nazi currency as the video went viral on the internet. Many conspiracy theories have claimed that this future Nazi coin is a solid proof of the existence of a parallel universe. Another section of conspiracy theorists argued that Germany will be a key player in World War III. They also added that Nazis are living secretly in Antarctica, will join Germany in a war, helping them to triumph in World War III. Others argued that it is a coin of an alternative future where the Nazis conquered the world, developed time travel, and sent money back to the past where certain currencies ended up in our reality. So there's the downplay of it all. If y'all ain't checked out episode 185, Battle for the Antarctic, make sure y'all go check that out. That was a deep dive into this, not necessarily this specific topic, but something that was around this. And I have found it, Cleve, weeks back, months back, and I've been wanting to bring it up for so many episodes. And thank you for indulging me on this finally. Right, yeah, most definitely, because I like that episode a lot because... I feel like there was more, I even said it on the episode, there was more that we couldn't uncover about the mysteries that took place on Antarctica and then with the Nazi coin from 2039 popping up into the mix. It's like, what did they discover? When Because like what I knew or know of little about is like Germany was one of the first to go down south with the help of the Argentinians at the time and, you know, just mainly, you know, they used the Argentinians as guides more so to navigate the waters of the area that they were accustomed to navigating for all those years and who are to say centuries, because we've covered that too, where um, there's been pre-existence that has occurred that we don't have account of. But, you know, with time travel, and the idea of a parallel universe, I do kind of follow, you know, that we live in a third dimension where everything appears as flat, but it's the same as, you know, the saying where, you know, heaven is seven, you know, I guess seven universes or seven, seven galaxies. I don't know the, the contents of it, but yeah, a lot of what's being said about it, it just kind of comes circle, but to, I digress. Is it a reality coin from the future world? In the first place, there is no way of knowing if the year 2039 <coughs> is written on the coin, at least not up with the images provided. The number 39 is clear, but it could be the year 1939. In fact, the silver, two Reichsmark, and five Reichsmark coins with the Nazi swastika were issued between 1938 and 1939. It is a coin. 
silver coins supposedly from the year 2039, if it were an electronic device or electronic currency, there would be some strong basis in the claim. However, we are talking about a nation that has managed to achieve travel over time and continues to use silver as currency in the year 2039 isn't much acceptable. Ah, it's debunking it because silver is cheap. I mean, it silver is something that always holds it value. You like the folder, though? I do like the folder. That was all Charlene. Big shout out, Jonah. Thank you. If I can speak on silver, it's a lot of properties that people don't really know about. Silver is an alchemist's best friend because it's like one of the more malleable materials that can be. You could take silver and mix it with other metals and it'll conform easier than if you were to take something like titanium or something like gold or even aluminum because of like the certain temperatures. But silver is one of those materials, you know, it's built weapons, it's built cars, it's built, you know, silver mixed with steel is one of those famous components. Uh, Silvers and band-aids too. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, silver and copper usually works well. You know, silver is a, a ground for the negative and copper being a ground for the positive. You know, those two elements alone, whatever the German secret behind it is, it has sustained its economy as long as it's been a country, along with other resources and materials. First, there's an inscription in Spanish that says New Germany. Mexico was never an ally of Nazi Germany. One explanation that it could be treated as a commemorative coin, but Mexico and Germany did not have any kind of alliance. Moreover, Mexico declared war on Germany in 1942. In addition, there was no known Nazi coin that has the inscriptions allies and near nation. So if it's not a montage, it is certainly a very strange coin, even if it does not come from a future or from a parallel universe. The truth is that there are strange stories about the Nazis, the hidden connections of Hitler and the supernatural, the Nazi bell, which was supposedly a time machine. Psychic killers or super soldiers are well known. There are rumors that after the fall of Germany in 1945, some Nazis managed to establish secret bases in Antarctica that are still operational today. Perhaps the only explanation is that the Antarctic Nazis managed to develop trips in time or have managed to travel through different realities. Oh, that's weird, though. When you look at, like, if time travel really exists and you can really hop through different realities and different times, if you were the time traveler, wouldn't you just hop to the, the best time and reality you live in and be there? Well, no, because you would be there with someone that looks just like you, right? I feel like it would be limited, and it would also, I don't know, there's too many holes in time travel that I can't wrap I mean, to the best of my imagination, I would think that time travel initially revolves around some form of magnetism, like, you know, to be able to reverberate things yeah. on a higher frequency and to be able to control that. You know, anatomically speaking, where it doesn't disturb the natural balance of our anatomy, but to be able to shield that in a sense where we are able to travel so many light years per second on on that scale. But uh, you know, that that's a mystery beyond me, you know, who who's to say what's out there, you know? 
I do believe in a alternate reality, but to say like how it coincides to domino effect and uh, affect the rest of reality kind of goes into relativity of like, you know, what you do is a positive, the negative has to have a space, you know, whereas people do negative, like that also has to, you know, anything that comes into existence, positive or negative, have to coincide with each other, you know, bring in consequence. So it's more questions, you know, I have about, you know, whenever I see videos surfacing where people bring pictures and people bring coins or, you know, gadgets or devices that prove that an alternate reality exists. Like I've seen time travel videos before, like I forget the guy's name, like, but they had the blackface. I'm going to just call him Chad. You know, it, it was a Chad who was blackface. He was from Milwaukee. I think the year was like 2163. He was telling like what all it to like World War Three happened. Germany had a part in it, but they did eventually come to a new world order in the year 2099, something like that. Yeah, so it's like new world order supposedly won't happen in my lifetime unless you know I live to be 109. But you know it's good to know the energy like you know tesla was one of those companies that was mentioned where it didn't succeed but it pioneered the way that solar energy was used because they successfully made it to mars in 2040 that was another part of the claim yeah so eli we're rooting for you (laughs) (laughs) or i am at least you know shit so we're gonna do a little something right quick and i'm gonna record this in director's view and Cleve, I think you're going to actually like this. I'm going to ask you some questions. And this is actually going to be for the TikTok, but we're going to do it on the show. Because shout out to Ginger Vitus, as I call him. Kahobi. Kahobi now. Yeah, Kahobi. It's <laughs> K-O slash O slash B-I. Kahobi. <laughs> yeah, like K-O-H-O-E. <laughs> B-I. B-I. Kahobi. Kahobi. <laughs> I'm going to start this right quick. I'm going to start this recording. Okay, so Cleve, what are blood cells shaped like? Donuts, eggs, or tubes? I would say, I mean, it's like a palate. I would say donuts. Cause, I mean, Correct. Yeah, okay. Okay, which type of cells is formed in the brain? White blood cells, neurons, or epileptic cells? Neurons. Correct. What is the largest organism in the human body? The heart, the liver, or the skin? The skin. Correct. What is the largest bone in the body? <laughs> okay, all right, serious. Poker face. I'm going to fuck this up. Is spectra, S-C-A-P-U-L-A, the femur, or the tarsal? T-A-R-S. What's the largest bone? Yeah. The femur? Yes, correct. What does AIDS stand for? AIDS? Acute Immune Deficiency Disorder, Antiviral Immunity Disorder, or Autoimmune Disorder Syndrome? Autoimmune. Wait, what was the first one? Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. No, it's Autoimmune Disorder System. Charlene read this one to me, and that's what I guess, but it's actually acquired immune deficiency syndrome. 
is because like AIDS is something that you acquire from like a sexual partner. Oh, okay. So they changed it. Yeah, recently. Is that, is that a Mandela effect or they changed it recently? Because I remember it it's auto, I, I remember I, I, it's autoimmune I, deficiency system. That's what I thought it was too. Uh-oh. <laughs> the Nazis, man, fucking with the parallel universes out there, man. How many bones do babies have when they're born? 100 to 50? 150 to 270? Or between 270 and 350? I don't know, not that many. I think it's like uh, the second one is like 150 to 270. It's between 270 and 350. Wow. Okay. What is the only part of the human body that can heal or repair itself on its own? The heart, a tooth, the earlobe. The earlobe. The tooth. The tooth? Nope. The tooth can't repair itself. No, I didn't. I said the earlobe. Yeah, but it's the tooth. That can't? It can't. Oh, I thought you said that can. No, no. What is the only part of the human body that can't heal? Oh, cannot. Yeah. All right, cannot. Yeah, the tooth. Yeah, my bad. How many bones are in the human skull? 18, 22, or 34? In the human skull? In the human skull. I want to say 34. Ooh, it's 22. 22. Okay. Interesting. What is the only bone in the body that's not attached to another bone? The pelvis, the cervix, or the hypoid? Hypoid is a gland. But the cervix is connected to the pelvis. Is the hypoid? Yeah. Which of the following insects is known to carry Lyme disease? Why is there insects in this? Honeybees, ticks, or earthworms? I mean, that's easy. It's ticks. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but there he is. Medical TikTok. Oh, and Gleam on Thurkle's And I got some of them right. You know, I feel a lot smarter than most, you know. There's actually a page in here if, if you would like to do the same for me. Okay, Joe. So you asked me a few of the medical questions in the field. Yeah. But, you know, got some questions spotlight. for you. Yeah, we got you on the spotlight. All right. So to start... What condition can people who are allergic to bees suffer if stung? Anaphylaxis, atherosclerosis, or conjunctivitis? What you say the first one was? Anaphylaxis. Yes, that one. Correct. Which of the following is not a type of diabetes? Juvenile diabetes, senior diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Can you say it one more time? Which of the following is not a type of diabetes, juvenile diabetes, seniors diabetes. Seniors diabetes. Correct. How many taste buds does the average human tongue have? 10,000, 100,000, 1 million. 10,000. Correct. Which bone are babies born without? Collarbone, kneecap, ankle. Kneecap. Correct. How much blood does the human body contain? Five to six liters, five to six quarts, five to six gallons. Five to six gallons. Oh, no, hold up. Say it one more time. How much blood does a human body contain? Five to six liters, five to six quarts, five to six, five quarts. To six gallons. Five to six quarts. Correct. I was thinking, I don't know why I was saying gallons, drinking <laughs> fucking like we cows or something, my bad. Right. How many weeks is the average human pregnancy? 
36 weeks, 40 weeks, 44 weeks. If you get this wrong, I'm going to throw a brick at you. (laughs) Hold up. How long is the average pregnancy? How many weeks is the human pregnancy average? I read that wrong again. (laughs) It's okay. 36 weeks, 40 weeks, 44 weeks. 40 weeks, right? 40 weeks. 40 weeks. Yeah, it's 40. I was about to say, man, we get that brick. I got a lot of Bambinos. Shout out Bambinos. I like all y'all in y'all's own ways. Yeah, shout out to my one and only. What is the term for the space between your eyebrows? Patella, glabella, salmonella. Patella. Incorrect. It's Damn. Glabella. Damn, I was due to miss one, right? Eventually. <laughs> Which of the following is a simple... Oh, hold up. What was the last answer for the other question? Salmonella? Yeah, it was a patella, <laughs> glabella, salmonella. It's salmonella. the space between your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> we can't laugh at the same time. I forgot. I'm coming for you! Oh, shit. Okay, which of the following is a symptom of hypothermia? Increase in mental activity, slurred speech, hunger. And hypothermia? Which of the following is a symptom of hypothermia? Increase in mental activity, slurred speech. Slurred speech. Hunger. Is it slurred? Or is it it's slurred speech, huh? It's slurred speech. Yeah. That's correct. I should make it short, Barbara. What is the average human body temperature? 96.8 degrees. 98.6 degrees, 86.9 degrees. 98.6 degrees. Correct. What is one reason why people yawn? To wake up tired muscles, to increase your heart rate and blood pressure. Nope. I, to I can increase uh, the amount of oxygen, oxygen going in, to your brain. In the blood. It's in the blood? It's in the blood. But increase oxygen flow in the body. Right. And that's what we have, ladies and gentlemen. It's your host, Cleve. What it do? Got my man, Gator, over there. We out. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, let me pause this right quick. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope y'all liked that for the Instagram because we did video content on both sides of that little questionnaire form. And just so y'all know, we didn't rehearse that. Yeah, I enjoyed doing it. Charlene had found that for us to do for TikTok, and we decided to incorporate it on the show and get a different angle than what other people had. We hope y'all like it, but we're going to dive into the Artist of the Week because it's time to end this episode. And big, big, big shout out to the boss, David Bosnick, for joining us on the show this week. And Big shout out to our artists of the week, Queen Kona, that's going to be ending this episode. They are a very pioneer band from just before I dive into their bio, just the dynamic they give with everybody with the different screaming vocals and different dynamic levels in which they scream to partner it with their instrumentals. And their overall sound is just amazing. And I know we've been deep into the heavy stuff, but, you know, Third Coast Podcast is, we're metalheads at heart. All of us. Yeah. Deep down. Deep down inside. Yeah, we deep just down some, inside, we got some part connected to it. <laughs> and uh, it's been nice that all these bands have been reaching out, especially on the uh, heavier aspect. Yeah, and, yeah most uh, definitely. But all music 
as everybody knows that's been a part of the show and been a part of the Third Coast Podcast community knows that all music is welcome and we have the biggest hearts and the most open ears you ever hear. And big shout out to the Salt Wives in New Orleans. They uh, had featured some music way, way back and I had jammed them in there just like all orchestras type music. And they came through and uh, produced some music and it was some, I know we're in the heavier stuff, but you know, we like all music and all music is good. Yeah, it can be bluesy, it could be R&B, it can be, hell, it could be even be some zero, you know, it could be rap, it could be rock, metal. Let's get into this artist of the week. Queen Kona is a shape-shifting five-piece from Northeast United States, possessing a monumental discography ranging from soft melodic ballads to progressive crushing anthems. What's notable about Queen Kona is their four-vocalist approach, giving them an approachable range from an angelic cleans and piercing growls to a monstrous slows and shrinking highs. And this is definitely some jams. Just big shout out again to uh, Mr. David Bosnick. Make sure y'all go like his page. Go buy some fucking tickets. Go see our boy knock somebody out. Third Coast Podcast. I'm Joe. What it do, Gators? And it's your host, Cleve, man. What it do? 